Hey y'all, get under the covers and get comfortable because we're about to get intimate. No, not that kind of intimate, but close. Did you know that three of the most intimate conversations we can have are sex, mental health, and finances? Probably didn't expect that last one, did you? Financial challenges are actually one of the leading causes of divorce and stress today. A big reason? We don't talk about it. At least not thoroughly, anyhow. That's where I come in. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Marie, a certified wealth coach, best-selling author, and the creator of Bedroom Talks. Get Financially Intimate a podcast focused on bringing awareness to the importance of financial intimacy and enticing openness to get real in a judgment-free zone. Together, we're going to cover a multitude of financial topics so you can leap toward financial freedom with confidence. Are you ready? Grab your wine or whatever drink you prefer and let's unrobe this topic. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bedroom Talks podcast where we get financially intimate. This is an open space to learn and understand and feel comfortable talking about finances and I'm sharing details about my finances throughout stories and tips and examples to help you to level up your finances and also just getting comfortable with talking more about financial matters, not only with yourself, but with your spouse or partner, if you have one and or accountability partner, if you're like me and you're uh, still waiting on that Uh, special someone. And this month, we have been talking about starting strong. This is January, and we are in 2023. And in the beginning of a new year, we often start off with uh, goals and resolutions and things like that. So we've gone over some of those things already with talking about how to say goodbye to uh, mindsets that are not productive to us, uh, such as um, you know pr- procrastination and analysis paralysis. We've also went over goal setting techniques and money management system setups. And I just felt like we needed to continue to talk about things that are beneficial to the money management system and our goals. So with that in mind, the primary focus for today is going to be around saving. And I have to preface that in 2022 specifically, I as a financial expert myself, as somebody who is very passionate about 
finances, wealth building, money management, all those things, I became very frustrated with a number of people in the financial community. And the reason why I became frustrated is because I continuously heard over and over and over last year, a number of people who claim to be financial experts share all about invest, 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 and basically put investing above everything else. And I'll be honest with you and tell you that I disagree with that mindset. Investing is definitely an important part of the wealth building journey. However, it is only part of the journey. We cannot put 100% focus on investing and not think about other aspects. And if you listened to the podcast from last week, about cash flow domination, you will remember that I talked a bit about these types of things in the five different money management systems that I discussed. If somebody is past the point of paying off a bunch of debt and has a good cushion for their emergency savings, then yes, investment 100% should be a primary focus. But if you are currently in a situation where you're feeling like you have a bit of debt and you there's not much savings, then investment shouldn't be the primary focus. And I'm not saying that there's not a way for you to still be able to invest while you're taking care of those things. I 100% believe that that is possible for many people. What I am suggesting is that it shouldn't be your primary focus. And instead, if you're in that space of not having an emergency fund and having debt that you're still focused on paying off, those two things should be more of a focus than investing. Okay. And I will caveat that the next episode will have discussions about investing and how even with the smallest amounts, you can start investing today. So look forward to that. So I found a really awesome quote that I really believe fits this topic 100%. It encompasses everything that I feel about this topic and just simplifies it. So here it is. The quickest way to double down your money is to fold it over and put it back in your pocket. Will Rogers. I'm going to repeat that. The quickest way to double your money is to fold it over and put it back in your pocket. Will Rogers. What does that mean? That means that you are more likely to save money 
by not using your money, okay? <laughs> now, granted, yes, if you have $100 and you invest that $100, it is definitely going to give you a return on your investment depending on the market and depending on where you put your money and how long you keep it there, okay? Investing is all a risk. But if you take that $100 and you put it in the bank or you put it in an envelope somewhere and you don't do anything with it, guess what? Chances are, if you put it in the bank, you're gonna earn a little bit of money on it. If you don't do anything with it, you're at least not spending it, which means you still have it, okay? Those are the basic concepts, the basic perspectives of saving money. Now, why save money? Why is it important to save money and how much should we save? First and foremost, it is important to save money because emergencies happen all the time. Whether we are expecting it or not, things come up and oftentimes we're looking at the bank balance and we're going, okay, I don't know how I'm going to fit this in. You know, I just actually was talking to my sister the other day and she was driving down the road to pick her son up from school and somehow the tire, one of the tires on her car blew. And, you know, she's had, she found the car that she has the tires on that car. She purchased them about four years ago. So she's had the same tires for about four years. Depending on the tire you get, sometimes they can last a little longer, sometimes they won't. She had just gotten her inspection and there was no indication that there was anything wrong with her tires. But apparently they were wearing down on the inside and at some point it, the pressure just became too much for driving and the tire blew. So she had to spend about $150 on a new tire, okay? Sometimes other things happen. I have had multiple mechanical issues with my car last year and the year before to where I spent probably an average of $2,000 on car repairs in the last two years. So... What happens when we have those things come up? What happens when we have a, a financial emergency, whether it be for a car or a medical situation or a house situation or whatever the case, what do we do? If we don't have an emergency fund, we are often faced with a decision. Do I pay this or do I take care of emergency or do I put it on the credit card? You put it on the credit card, you end up paying interest on that balance. And most credit cards, most credit card interest rates are an average of 14 to 26%. So think about that. If you have a $500 emergency right now and you don't have the funds to take care of it and you put it on the credit card, you're going to probably spend the next 
six months maybe paying that off with 15 to 25% interest on top of that. Can you financially afford that? Do you want to pay that extra money on that minor financial emergency expense? Just something to think about. Now, if we have an emergency fund, then we're not struggling to try to figure out how am I going to pay for this. We're also not putting it on credit. We're not taking it alone. We're not doing any of those things. And it just kind of feels a little bit better. And at that point, if you have to use your emergency fund, then you just make a small adjustment to your budget going forward. If you need to, if you're not currently set up to be to continuously be putting money into your savings account, your emergency savings, then you can make a small adjustment by like $25 or $50 or whatever and replenish your savings account at an amount that feels comfortable for you, okay? Now, if say someone has been investing and not putting any money in savings, an average of 24 to about 72 hours, depending on whether what, what day of the week it is and whether it's a holiday or not, is how long it will take for you to get access to any money that is in your investment accounts. Because you can often pull out money from your investment accounts that are not like 401ks and things like that. Even if you have a 401k type account and you can pull money out of it, it can still take a couple of days, sometimes even a week or more to get access to that money. Okay. So if you have an emergency fund that you have access to that has a certain amount of money in it, you can literally access that money immediately if you have a, uh, bank card for it. Okay. At worst case scenario, you might have to go to an ATM, which most ATMs are within a few minutes of where you're at. Okay. And to me, that just feels more free. Okay. Now, the question I often get is how much should I have in my savings account? The recommendation prior to the pandemic from most financial experts was three to six months of your primary expenses. After the pandemic happened and layoffs happened and things of that nature, some financial experts suggested to maybe double that, um, six to 12 months, or you can even do uh, six to nine months, okay? I think an average of minimum six months is a really good rule of thumb if you're able to get to that. But I wouldn't stress that you need to have it immediately, okay? What I mean by primary expenses is, first and foremost, your four walls. This is your home. This is your utilities. 
This is your transportation and your food. Your home will not only include your mortgage, it will also include your, your insurance for your home and your car will, or excuse me, your transportation will include car payment if you have one, car insurance and gas for your car, okay? Those are your four walls, okay? So your primary expenses are going to be your four walls. And I would even suggest if you have uh, bills that you're paying outside of that, you got your you know cell phone bill, if you've got um, credit card bills, if you've got different things that are coming out as a monthly payment right now, then I would even suggest adding that into your priorities to consider how much to save for your primary expenses. Things for, such as kids activities, um, streaming services, um, geez, stuff that you, that are more lifestyle things, any extra debt payoff, I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus too much on that as far as trying to figure out what your priorities are, okay? The stuff that's like absolute necessity to get by with the basics, those are your priorities. Calculate what that amount is and multiply that by an average of six months, okay? That is what I would recommend to be your goal for your cushion for a good emergency savings. Now, to start off, I would aim for $1,000. An average financial emergency is anywhere between $250 and $1,000. So if we're aiming for $1,000 on our starter emergency fund, while we're working up toward that, you know, cushion of what our priorities are, then we we have that wiggle room for if something minor happens while we're building in the process. Another thing that often comes up in conversation with clients and people that reach out to me is, well, I only have one bank account and I struggle with like, how do I, if I keep the money in there, it looks like I have money and then I want to spend it. Um, oftentimes these individuals are the spenders and not the savers and maybe have more urges to spend money and it makes it a little bit more of a challenge to kind of manage that and keep that emergency fund going. So here's what I would recommend. You can either do this at your current bank account, your current bank, or you can research other banks and open an account at another bank. Do it as a savings only. And you're going to get issued an ATM card no matter what. But you can choose to either hide 
that ATM card or cut it up and not use it, okay? Essentially, what you want to do is make it harder for you to access that money. Now, earlier, I suggested that a savings account is better because you can get access to that money quicker than you can for an investment, all right? And I 100% stand by that. Even if you set it up to where you have to go to the bank during banking hours to get access to that money, you are likely still going to have access to it quicker than you would if you were pulling it out of an investment account. Okay? And you're also helping with those urges of the spending. I would, I would estimate that if you started off with that type of, of setup where you have a whole separate bank account that you don't have easy access to and you have to physically go to the bank in order to access it, an average of 60 days of doing that and you will feel more comfortable with your discipline of not spending. And at that point, you can have allow yourself to have more access to the ATM card or whatever so that if an emergency comes up, then you can have that instant access. Okay, so I would only recommend doing that if spending is a struggle for you okay if you're if you're constantly like oh there's extra money let me use it then i would recommend a hundred percent to give yourself as little access to that extra money as possible for example i have being a military veteran i have access to certain banks that other people don't so i have usaa and navy federal my main bank is usaa and my, uh, I had a Navy Federal account for years because in order to apply for a loan with them, you have to have an account with them. So I had an account that I like never used. And when I went through this process of trying to fix my finances and get into a better place overall, I decided to utilize that Navy Federal account that I didn't, I think uh, my card, I don't remember what I did with the ATM card on it, or I just hit it somewhere, something of that nature. I was able to transfer money from USAA over to Navy Federal electronically. But in order for me to get money out of Navy Federal, I had to physically go to the bank. Even if I had the ATM card, I would have to, you know, go and do that, which of course only had access to the cash. I couldn't use it to go purchase things online. So that helped me to manage that spending urge a whole lot better. Now, when I've got more comfortable with my spending urges, I went ahead and allowed myself to have more access to that account.
And I still, every once in a while, if I leave the house and I feel like I'm in a space where I'm, I'm feeling a little more spendy, then I will leave certain cards at home and only allow myself to have access to the card for my primary account that is, you know, for, you know, my regular expenses or my, I call it a fun money account, which is just, you know, if I feel like, hey, I want to go to Starbucks or I want to get something to eat, then that's what that fun money account is for. So, essentially what I'm doing, what I was doing in that process was limiting my ability to spend the money that I felt like was there, but wasn't really there. Right. What do I mean by there, but not really there? It was in the account, but it was for something in the future as a planning tool. So it wasn't really there for me to spend. Right. And actually, there is a awesome scripture that I love that factors into this whole conversation, and it's in Proverbs. I love Proverbs, by the way. There's so much wisdom and insight in the book of Proverbs, but it's Proverbs 21, verse 20, and it says, this is the NLT version, the wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they get. Hmm. Now that word fools really hits hard sometimes when we read it because we read it and we think, I'm not a fool. However, if we have financial goals, if we have debt that we're working on paying off, if we have priorities and we allow the spending urge to take over it it is very much similar to a foolish thing to do foolish as in not wise it's not in line with what your goals are with what where you want to be it is something that doesn't benefit you at all Okay, so we want to think about spending as something wise that is going to allow us to live in wealth and luxury the more that we do it. Now, I was talking earlier about savings accounts and that sometimes it's more beneficial to just put some money in savings versus trying to invest. I also talked about a bank account such as a savings account can often earn you a little bit of money. And while most savings accounts are not going to yield you much of a return at all versus investing. There are some banks that have higher yield returns. Okay. And I researched five high yield savings accounts. 
that I want to share with you today that might be good to consider using as your emergency fund account. You'd start off with $25, $50, $7,500 a month, whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever fits within your budget, and you will likely earn more money for that money sitting in the bank in a high yield savings account versus just a regular one with your normal bank. Still might not be as much as an investment, but you will have access to it in an emergency quicker than you will with the investment account, okay? So the first one is SoFi. A lot of these banks are, the banks that I'm talking about are actually, um, credit card, loan, investment type banks, but they also have checking and savings accounts as well. So the SoFi account currently is sitting at 3.75%. 3.75% is the APY on a SoFi checking and savings. They also have a bonus if you decide to do direct deposit with them, you're able to get up to $250 as a bonus for them. The next one is Discover. Discover has a savings account option and their APY is 3.30%. And there are also a, there's also a bonus option of about $200. And there are the requirements for that. Says. You would have to deposit like $15,000 in order to get a bonus on that one. So that might not be, it might be good for being a high yield savings account but it's possible not everyone's going to qualify for that bonus. However, definitely a really good API, APY. Now, the other one that the third one, oh, I'm sorry, I said five and there's four. So the other, the third one is Marcus by Goldman Sachs. And that one is also a 3.30% APY and has the option for a potential $100 bonus. And the last one is Barclays with a 3.40% APY, no bonus opportunity. Now, all four of these accounts are $0 minimum balance in order for you to qualify. So you could deposit $5 in an account for any one of these four banks and gain access to that APY. So again, one last time, just to make sure you didn't miss anything, four banks with higher APYs are 
SoFi with a 3.75 APY, Discover with a 3.30 APY, Marcus by Goldman Sachs with a 3.30 APY, and Barclays with a 3.40 APY, and they all have savings account options. So if you're looking to build your emergency fund and you want to earn a little bit more money than you would with your regular bank, I would highly recommend checking out one of those four banks to get started today. Now, this is obviously not a promotion for any of those banks. I don't have affiliate links for any of them. I'm not getting anything on promoting that information. There's just the four that I found right now that, that are some of the higher yield savings accounts. There may or may not be some other ones out there. Those are the ones that I found when I was researching. And quite honestly, if you are looking at doing that, you know, a month from now, two months from now, you're not quite ready to switch over yet. Just Google high yield savings accounts and you will find a couple of sites that have information. The one that I found was from NerdWallet. NerdWallet is a website that shares a ton of financial news information, tips, resources that I, if, if I follow. It is pretty non-biased and has a lot of great information that is factual and just very resourceful. So I would highly recommend checking them out as well. So as a recap, if you are in a space where you feel like you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're focused on debt payoff, then building an emergency fund would be a more beneficial priority than investing. Start with $1,000 for emergency fund and build to an average of six months for your total emergency fund to alleviate a major financial situation should it come up at any point in time. There are high yield savings accounts that you can utilize to put this emergency fund into. And if you feel it necessary to limit your access to the savings account because spending is a bit of a problem for you, then you can choose to hide your ATM card or something of that nature so that way you can't access it as quickly. But maybe when you're feeling a little bit more disciplined and comfortable with it, you can allow yourself more access. Now, once you get to the point where your savings account is a good cushion and you've paid off a significant amount of debt and you feel comfortable at that point, you can dig into the investing portion more. And remember, if 
you're at the point where you want to start considering investing or you feel comfortable with you've got maybe your thousand dollar emergency fund, you're decent on your debt payoff to where you've been paying it off. And there's, you know, maybe some more left, but you've got a little wiggle room and you feel like, no, I, I want to look a little bit into the investing, but maybe I can only afford, you know, $100 or less a month on investing. I've got some options for you, but you're going to have to wait till next week to hear about those. So as always, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, if there is something that stood out to you, I would love if you would comment. Go ahead and like the episode. And if you're not already doing doing so, give me a follow and or subscribe, whatever the feature podcast app you're using allows you to do. And if it really stuck out and there's somebody that you're thinking about that said that you say, hey, they could really use this information, why don't you go ahead and share it with them? And you know, I can't forget to mention that another area I saw people focused on in 2022 was credit repair. And that's something else that I found myself working diligently on over the last eight to 10 years. I learned a number of tips and tricks about repairing credit and boosting that credit score. I also found that it can be quite expensive to work with a company to have them help you do it. So with that in mind, I created a workshop that is focused on teaching the principles of credit repair along with tools and resources to doing so. And I'm offering it for free. It's a two day workshop and it's virtual. And I'd love for you to join me if that's something you're interested in. I'm gonna go ahead and put the link down for it in the description, but you can also go to financialabundanceblueprint.com or you can check out either of my social media pages. Instagram is dr.michellemarie. Facebook, you can just look for dr.michellemarie. And I have a link in my bio that will take you directly to the registration page for more information and to reserve your seat. So I cannot wait for next week's conversation and to hear your feedback on all of the things. Chat with you guys soon.